What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We're glad to have you. You should go to dadtired.com. There you can find a lot more information about who we are and what we do. You'll see on dadtired.com, there's a a link there that says uh, community, a tab that says community. Click that. It will link you over to a closed group on Facebook where we've got a bunch of guys from around the world who are taking their faith, their family, and their marriage very seriously. We'd ha- love to have you come be a part of that. I'm excited because today I've got some guests with me on the podcast. Uh, Emily and Laura, they're the host of the Risen Motherhood podcast. Listen, there's a ton of resources out there f- out there for moms, all kinds of mommy blogs and all kinds of like trendy stuff and advice going around. Uh, But I have yet to find a better resource for our wives than what these women are doing on the Risen Motherhood podcast. It is so good. They are giving gospel truth to women, uh, to our wives. And it's just, it's not trendy. It's not like what's cool. It's just deeply rooted in scripture. Uh, And I just trust these women. I trust their heart for for women and for moms and for our wives. Um, and the mother of our children. So I'm super stoked to have them on the podcast with me today. I'm, I feel like I've got a little bit of a cheat sheet having them on, and we can k- kind of get an inside look <laughs> into the brains of our wives. So uh, you're going to love this podcast. Let's dive in. All right. Well, seriously, thank you guys for taking the time to hang out and be on the Dad Tired podcast. The funny thing about the Dad Tired podcast is really that uh, I I know for a fact that we have a lot of women sneaking in and listening. So <laughs> I know there will be a lot of like secret uh, hiding listeners who are going to be really, really excited to have you guys on. But thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah, our pleasure. Yeah, we're really excited. I just gave you a little bit of an intro, but like in your own words, what's Risen Motherhood? What are you guys doing? What What's your heart behind the, the ministry? Yeah, so basically with Risen Motherhood, we... Um, I don't know. We just, Emily and I started talking about stuff when we were like a couple years ago, young moms, we still are young moms, but, yeah. <laughs> um, we, we're just kind of getting buried deep in a lot of the heaviness of the decisions that come with motherhood, everything from, you know, what are you going to feed your kids and where are you going to send to preschool? What discipline method are you going to use? I mean, it just, for moms and dads, the decisions are endless. And so we started just talking through what is the biblical worldview on this? How do you know what the gospel says? What does the Bible say? Um, As we all know, the Bible is sufficient for every topic, but it's not exhaustive. Mm -hmm. And so it's really difficult to discern. And so as we were having these conversations, we just sensed like a lot of burdening with a lot of our mom friends and what Mm -hmm. we saw online. And so we just kind of, Emily sort of joked to me one day about, hey, we should air these conversations. And sort of the podcast started where we were thinking through things with a biblical lens and really coming back to saying, you know what, there are so many different ways to live this out as a Christian mm-hmm. family. Um, but there are certain standards that we hold um, for biblical uh, a way to decide things biblically. So that's kind of what we talk about in Rizm Motherhood. Freedom, you know, that that the Bible does bring to moms and dads, but um, also helping them to just grow in biblical liter- literacy to understand how do we make these decisions and and how does it impact me? And I think too, like the, the gospel aspect of just recognizing how hard it was for Laura and I, who've been hearing this, this wonderful message over and over again to like connect that tangibly to something like, 
okay, I'm working through potty training with my kid and I'm so frustrated and I see my heart attitude coming out and my anger, whatever those things are, like, what is, what is this gospel that I believe have to do with that? Um, I think Laura and I just have felt really burdened to not only understand that ourselves for our motherhood, but then, yeah, like Laura said, let other people in on that conversation as we're trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. in hopes that uh, moms can see this matters for every decision we make. Yeah, and you guys are obviously very humble, but you're doing such a great job. Like you, I, I'm I'm constantly stalking your Instagram feed and like soaking <laughs> in the truth that you're giving. Uh, even as you're speaking to moms, I'm like, holy cow, that was super convicting or encouraging or whatever. Uh, but God's really using you guys, and it's apparent. Like uh, you guys are doing very well on iTunes, and you're getting featured in a lot of places. So uh, I just want to like, I know you're humble and uh, want to deflect <laughs> anything, but God's using you, and it's awesome. So. Oh, well, thank praise you. God. I'm yeah, praising thanks. God with you in that. Yeah, we're just grateful more women are are hearing the gospel. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. ultimately what it's all about. And we're grateful there are so many women who want to pursue this intentionally. Yep. And it's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we, I, I was thinking about this interview and thinking that I, it kind of feels like uh, as husbands and dads and men that we have like an open book test. Uh, like <laughs> we have the <laughs> answers in front of us and, uh, I'm going to just pick your brains and kind of (laughs) go behind the veil. And for us men, we're like always trying to figure stuff out. Like how can we love our wives well? How can we just do the best that we can? And sometimes uh, meeting with a lot of guys, we don't always feel like we're doing that very well or we know what to do. And so having you here feels like a cheat sheet. So (laughs) what we love those questions. We'll answer those. So so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of fire off a bunch of questions and they may not like make sense together, but that's just because I know that we're short on time and I want to like get everything I could possibly. And I'm just representing all the men right now of dad. Okay. (laughs) So, so I've been a pastor for 12, 13 years sat across from a lot of dudes with a cup of coffee, beers, eating lunch, whatever. And a lot of what I hear is um, it's easy for us guys to connect, right? Like we can easily, we can tell like one joke. A guy can tell a joke. Another guy laughs and we're like best friends. Like you're in, (laughs) we're cool. We'll spend the rest of our lives being friends. Um, We've noticed that women don't seem to have that same uh, Mm -hmm. pattern, that it's harder for our wives to find true genuine friendships. Um, so I hear a lot of guys say like, man, my wife is lonely. She doesn't have a lot of friends or the friends that she does have. She like doesn't trust or frankly, they just like suck because they're, it's just like gossip, you know, filled in Mm -hmm. filled with gossip. And so what specifically do you tell those wives who might say that to you? And also how would you encourage a husband who's trying to help his wife find like good godly girlfriends? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, like I would feel really loved to know that my husband cared about, you know, my friendships and, and me having genuine connections with women who love Jesus, who are encouraging me and pointing me towards him. And so I think even if he ever like sat down and vocalized that to me, like, honey, how can I I help you? I want to give you some time away to be able to to connect with that friend who you, you know, said, exchanged, you know, text with at church that one time, or, um, I, I want to know how can I help you? Um, I think I would be, just be really honored by that. I don't think that would feel threatening at all. Um, 
And so I feel like some of it is just that open communication of a husband saying, I care about your friendships. I care that you're, you're flourishing, um, in your friendships. What can I do to give you some time and space? Cause a lot of moms, um, myself, especially I, I feel like selfish asking for time to go do that kind of stuff. I, I know that if I leave the house for a few hours, there's going to be dishes to be done. There's going to be things that, that are going to be on his plate. I don't, I don't want to put that on him. You know, I want to be supportive. And so, um, I think even that permission, um, to go and that it's okay is, is a huge deal. It's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, for, for the young mom that's listening or the dad that's listening, I mean, encourage her to look for friends that don't look exactly like her. So a lot of times, as you were saying, like, we're kind of essentially, you said we're picky with who your friendship yeah. <laughs> friends are. And, um, and that is just a natural female tendency, but encourage her to say that, um, you know, older women, Emily and I have found deep and wonderful relationships with older women, or even moms that are like five years down the road ahead of us. And they offer really different perspectives. Um, they often ask better questions than our peers and they challenge us in a way, um, where you, you sort of get out of that gossip mode or out of that, you know, we're all going to say, woe is me. This is horrible. These little years. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing is like changing your perspective on what your friends should look like. And then also just being involved in a local church. I mean, prioritizing that so highly, um, you know, looking at what is the women's ministry doesn't mean it has to be huge, but look and make sure that they have good programming. What are they studying for Bible study? You know, do they have a Facebook group of some women that are trying to get together or however that looks with the church? But, um, just see if it's offering some programming for her to meet people. And I think that that should be a priority for both, um, you know, to find a great children's ministry and a great uh, men's and women's ministry at a church. Those things, again, they don't need to be humongous and be multi-million dollar programming, but just something that's solid and people are striving for the same things there. Mm -hmm. And Lauren, I'll probably say this over and over again, but as as well, just investing in your wife's personal relationship with God and her own ability yeah. to study scripture is going to, that is going to change her appetite and her desire for the right kind of friends yeah. <laughs> over time. And, and that's like a lot of, a, that's more of a long-term answer, not a yeah, quick well, fix. But. And that will help her to discern if that friend yeah. is really healthy or not. Right. You know, yeah. if she's solid and if you're encouraging her in that, um, then she can tell. Yeah, so let's segue that that last point, kind of encouraging our wives, helping lead her well in that. What when, when do you guys feel like uh, it is easiest for you to lead or to follow your husband's leadership? Yeah, I think um, when we feel loved. I mean, it's the simple answer that the, <laughs> yeah. that sort of sounds cliche, but it's so true. And I think that it means that we're loved daily, not just like right before you're going to have a big conversation or, you know, ask her to submit and or make a decision that she is probably going to be upset with and you know it. So you're trying to like pat it right before, but it is the hard worn daily you know, hour by hour, minute by minute, making her feel heard, making her feel loved, validating her feelings, even if you're not going to act on those feelings or what she desires, but repeat them back to her. It's so hard for men sometimes to repeat, um, how we feel and like kind of showing that they comprehend it. And so strive to do that more than you think you need to say it like 10 billion times more than you think that you should. <laughs> I'm always like saying to my husband, honey, like whatever number you have in your head, like quadruple that, you know, like that's how many times. 
Yeah. Words I need. (laughs) Yeah. Or how many words I need in response. And so, and I think the other thing Emily and I would both say is that, you know, neither of our husbands nitpick us and they show enormous amount of trust in us uh, for the day-to-day things and giving us freedom and just not questioning our decisions or actions as we care for the family so that when they do bring an opinion forward, I'm almost like, oh yeah, I want to do that because that is like, you never say anything and I want to honor you. And I feel so loved and respected before and during the process. So I want to submit to you, Mm -hmm. even if I don't love the decision you came to, but I do trust you and I know you Mm -hmm. love me. Yeah. And just to give like a specific example of that. So I'm married to Laura's brother, actually. So she she also has insight, yeah. insight information about this. But my husband is a, a man who has very high expectations and really values excellence and has like a lot of strong preferences. And so I think in that sense, like leadership comes really easily for him, but we've really had to work through how he can, like Laura said, trust me in like a lot of things and give me just a lot of freedom in the things that, um, I say don't matter as much. And so when there are some things that he has like, okay, I really want to lead our family in this specific area. Like Laura said, I'm, I'm like ready to listen to that because I know how, how many preferences he doesn't bug me about, you know, he, he lets go, um, whether it's the way I put his laundry back in the drawer or, um, the, the activity I did with the kids or he's not coming home wanting to know exactly what I did, even though his organizational personality would love a report about how the day went. Um, so it's just kind of that, like Laura said, establishing the trust that, I I love you and I think you're doing a wonderful job. And so when there are those times where leadership has to be a little bit more direct, it's, it's just better received, I think. Yeah. I, uh, it's, I just wrote a chapter in the devotional that that's coming out for the dad tired guys about the daily pursuit of, of his wife's heart in the same way that Christ daily pursues our heart, that Mm, he didn't just like have us say a prayer and then say, okay, peace out. Like you're saved. I'm going to move on. But he is daily pursuing us. Um, mm-hmm. And even going back to the Israelites where he gave them uh, bread for the day so that they would trust yep. them him the next day. <laughs> like it, yep, he, exactly. He's such a relational God that he wanted this daily interaction. And for a lot of us husbands, we're like, uh, we'll take our wife out on a date last month and be like, sweet, I'm good for the month. You know, like, <laughs> that should hold her over for a while. Like we're close, right? <laughs> Um, and I'm constantly trying to encourage guys with what you just said, that there's this like daily pursuit of your mm-hmm. wife's heart. Um, and it's those kind of like little daily stuff that will allow, um, hopefully, her to trust you when it comes to those bigger decisions of leadership. So I appreciate totally. you saying that. Uh, okay. For, for husbands that are walking their wives through um, a season of depression, which I hear a lot um, and, mm-hmm. and we could probably do a whole podcast on why women are feeling depressed. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll kind of just leave that open as much as you <laughs> want to take that or whatever direction you want to take it. But a lot of men are saying like, I, I, you know, I'm, my wife is just she's depressed and uh, mm-hmm. and, and I'm doing my best to love her in that um, and not get frustrated or bitter towards her. Um, but what would you say to a husband that's walking his wife through a season of depression? Yeah. Well, I know that, um, Laura and I 
haven't personally um, walked through a season of depression. I'm sure both her and I would say we've gone through hard seasons um, after, especially after having babies of transition where we felt down for a while or um, have had seasons of anxiety. So um, we actually have an episode um, on our podcast where we brought in Lindsay Carlson, who's been through actually postpartum depression several times. And she just gave a ton of really good, insightful encouragement, um, not only to women, but that I think a husband could listen into and just get a lot of insight into what's going on, um, sometimes in a woman's heart. And then also just how to listen to her and like really acknowledge that that's going on. So, um, that would definitely be, I think something worth listening to if you have a wife who is struggling through that and you're like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. So is the Riz- yeah, and- Risen Motherhood podcast, you know what episode that is? Can we find it afterwards? 50s and the 50s. The 50s. We'll, we'll uh, send it to you for your show notes. Show notes are great. All right. I love those. Um, I don't have Lindsay them, Carlson. I know you guys have them and I'm going to try to... You don't have show notes? <laughs> You can cut I'm, that. No, I made a joke about that in the last podcast. I was like referencing, I referenced like 10 scriptures and I was all over the place. And I'm like, I should probably have show notes. I've heard other podcasters do that. So, I, I, but you can find this. Uh... So, yeah. Open your Bible and figure yeah. it out. <laughs> it's only about like, I don't know, 10 shows ago, maybe in the 50s, somewhere in there. But, um, and I think our biggest tip, we've walked through a lot of with friends as well, but I would just say if, if your wife is telling you that she's struggling, listen to her. Um, what we've heard from a lot of, uh, of wives, they say they're actually wondering if it's real themselves and that oftentimes they'll tell their husbands and their husbands will struggle to believe it because they're still fairly high functioning. Um, yeah. but then they hit this wall where it, it's, it's not that it's too late, but it just feels like it is just a lot bigger of a fire than it was prior. So mm-hmm. I think like if your wife comes to you saying that, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. And these are real, even if you don't see it or believe it on the outside, know that like a lot of times depression is on the inside and moms manage to wrestle their way through life without maybe their husband's noticing quite as much that things are dropping. And then also just encouraging her to get help. Um, tell her to talk to a friend, um, maybe encourage professional help and don't be scared going to the doctor with her. Um, Lindsay provides this great insight about medication. We asked her point blank, you know, cause that can kind of be a sticky question, especially with Christians. But she just basically said like, Hey, you know, we take penicillin when we have an infection to get better. So sometimes medication is the kickstart someone needs to lift that fog. And, you know, sometimes it's a hormone or a thyroid thing. Mm -hmm. So just know that, you know, there are a lot of solutions. It is not over. You are not, you know, she is not lost forever to you, but, um, just partner with her and try to get her that help and don't be afraid. Cause she is probably terrified and yeah. she needs you to encourage her and probably push her to take some of those action steps that she's avoiding because she doesn't want to admit it's real or doesn't know if it's real. That's a good word. Um, how about for guys? I've talked to a lot of guys that have said, uh, they feel confident in confessing their sin to God. They feel confident confessing their sin even to another brother, um, but they are terrified to confess sin to their wife um, because they, they trust in Jesus's forgiveness. <laughs> they trust in a brother to understand, but um, to have an open confession uh, of sin to their wife is just ter- terrifying to them. What would you say to a guy like that? <laughs> Well, first we want to say a word to the closet wife. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All those closet wives out there. Go ahead, Em. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Laura and I are both really passionate about this. Like, 
and we don't, we don't get a chance to say it very often. Maybe we need to bring this up on our podcast, but if you are a wife listening, like I, I just think one of the best things you can do is give your husband a safe, a safe place to confess sin. And if, and when he ever comes to you with something, you know, pray in that moment. If you have to try not to freak out, you know, if the very first response, and I know like, you know, there's, there's time for tears, there's time for walking through things, but like is to comfort him, to forgive him, to remain calm, um, and not have your husband feel like he has to walk on eggshells around you. And I think that that is just so critical. And my husband, what's nice is like after one or two times of having that happen where he came to me and maybe shared something and I didn't just like totally fly off the handle, he was telling me more and more. And in some senses that was hard, but in another sense, it was wonderful. And I feel like now we can have like periodic, very healthy conversations where we're both actually communicating because he's not afraid um like, oh, if I, I got to walk on eggshells because if I do this one little thing, she's going to just fall to pieces. And I think a lot of that starts with like for the wife who's listening, rooting your identity in Christ, because if your hope is in Jesus, there are still really painful things that other people are going to do to hurt you, you know, and, and that that's very real. I don't want to invalidate that. But when your hope is placed in your husband and he falls that that's really the trigger for that immediate devastation. And like I said, there's still probably lots to process through, but I think that initial response really matters. Yeah. Okay, Laura, let's keep going. I love this question. <laughs> well, this is something Emily and I have talked a lot in our personal relationship as we, we wanted to do exactly what Emily just said, create that open space for our husbands. Cause our marriages we're striving for godly marriages, but we are not immune. You know, we've experienced these things. And so, um, first things first to the, the husbands listening, I think that, um, every woman is different and yeah. I know that's not super helpful, but some of us, when we hear it, we'll want the details. Some will want as little as possible. Some will need space. Some are like, let's battle this together. And that might not be all that helpful. So knowing that like your wife may respond in a way that isn't what you want, but it doesn't mean she's sinful or wrong in her response. Um, so personality differences do play a big role here. And so if she's quiet or if she jumps into questions, just, um, be be okay with how she gives you that first response. And then from there, some of the tips I suppose are timing is everything, you know, don't do it late at night. Um, make sure there aren't distractions. Don't be on your phone midway through it. Um, or make sure she is like, knows that, Hey, this is kind of serious. Um, and when you confess, depending on the gravity of the sin, I think just don't go into detail, you know, give her the facts, share how you've been convicted, um, and share what you're doing about it. I think that's a mm -hmm. big one. Um, what you're changing about it today and for the future. So if you have a game plan, that's really good and speaks volumes to us to say, look, I want to fight this with everything in me. And here are the three things that I'm doing. And I've already initiated one of them. Um, so show her that you've thought it through and that you've maybe even started to set that plan in motion. Mm -hmm. And just another practical tip, I think really quick is not to wait until there's something really bad that you have to work up the courage to say to your wife, like periodically just have check-ins where maybe there's nothing to share, but you just sit down with each other or, you know, I mean, my husband, and I we don't have that on the calendar, but I would say like once every few months, 
we're just like, you know, after dinner, kids are in bed and I'm like, Hey, how are you doing with this? Or he's, he asks me some questions and it's very non-threatening, but it gives an opportunity that if there was something, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, uh, there's an opportunity versus waiting until something is like pretty bad. And then that conversation is a lot more devastating. I don't know if that makes sense. Beautiful. Yeah. Gold mine of advice. Gold mine. Yeah. My husband and I used to have these things called Sunday check-ins and we would ask ourselves four questions. How did I love you last week? How can I love you better this week? How can I love you better in intimacy this week? And then we would just talk through what's on tap for the week ahead. And, you know, we've fallen off the bandwagon admittedly a little bit, um, but it was really helpful because it provided that space of affirmation to start with. How did I show you love last week? And that's a moment where like, oh, I just loved it when you did this. And then the like improving part is the second question. And I think that that is helpful too, because it can be really little of like, oh, I really need your help with X, Y, and Z or you know, this has been bothering me. Like Emily said, creating that safe space. And since it was a weekly check-in, it was, um, just a time where you knew you were going to be able to kind of say those things. And both of you were at a spot where you're ready to be open to hearing and vulnerable and sharing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Such good stuff. You guys, I think the part of the premise of all of this is that, uh, we go, oftentimes go into marriage thinking that this is going to bring me joy and anything that threatens mm-hmm. my joy is, a. Uh, kind of like what you were saying, uh, it, it beca- we've elevated to the status of God. You are my source yeah. of joy. You are my source of yeah. identity and satisfaction and hope and security. And when that person fails to provide those things, the world crumbles because the God has crumbled. It, 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 the, what we had put hope in has failed us. Um, as opposed to, as Christians, going into a marriage and thinking, this person is going to help me become more like Jesus, and I'm going to help them become more like Jesus. And so a natural part of that is constantly being vulnerable and sharing our sin, because I know that my objective for my wife is to work through her junk with her so that she can become more Mm -hmm. and fall more in love with Jesus. But the premise is like holiness versus happiness. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, So... In a world, there's tons of mommy blogs. There's tons of mommy resources <laughs> out there. There's all kinds of like, if I Googled right now, uh, you know, help for moms, I'm going to find a bunch of stuff. You guys are doing different things. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the introduction, but what? tell me specifically about your heart for the gospel and how that's kind of setting Risen Motherhood unique among all the voices out there. Mm. Yeah, well, I think first of all, um, the tendency and just I think any kind of Christian advice sometimes is to go straight for what you should be doing, what you should be, how you should be living, what's the godly thing to do, and their standards set forth. And the same is true in the world of motherhood. Um, you know, you go out there, you're going to find 10 ways to be a happier mom, you know, five ways to keep your home more organized and all these kind of standards. And in some ways you could almost call those like laws (laughs) that we feel like we need to live up to in order to be good enough for our children, good enough for our husbands, just be doing a good enough job as a person. Um, And the gospel is really in direct opposition to that. The gospel says, look, there is no way, even on your very best day that you are going to be able to do enough for your family in the way God has called you to. And you are way more sinful than you could ever imagine. You're really falling short. Um, But the gospel just provides freedom because once a mom, I think, realizes that that's been paid for, that her 
her sin is just totally, she's free from that. She's not under the burden of having to measure up anymore because in God's eyes through Christ, she already has measured up. Um, that is where, you know, I just think joy can happen and, and peace. And, and then a mom can begin to catch a vision for, okay, now I I'm excited to like come into what is God doing through me in this role? And, and how can I glorify him in that? And, it's way easier for me to communicate that than to live it. <laughs> but that's that's the message that we really hope to be giving moms is to say, look, it's not about living up to a certain standard of motherhood. It's about trusting Christ and then walking forward in the Great Commission in, in the role God's given you. Beautiful. Love it. Anything you want to add? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, she, that was, that was a great gospel yeah, message right there. Yeah. And I, I, we just want moms to feel more freedom and, and yeah. that their burdens are lifted of trying to measure up to the perfect Christian mom. And it's so funny because the perfect Christian mom looks so different depending on, you know, where you live. And it's just, it's not a standard even it's people have their own versions of it that we create or we emulate from Mm -hmm. our friends. And, um, we're just hopeful that people begin to see how the gospel changes every part of motherhood. Even the stinking crumbs on your kitchen floor that you are just, <laughs> just flipped up to Minsko and you're ready to die and you see it and there's the gospel in that. I mean, we have a whole show on crumbs. Yeah. So you <laughs> can amazing. check that out. But it's like, it, yeah, it's it's really neat. When you start mm-hmm. looking for creation, fall, redemption, restoration in your home, in your environment, in your life, it is everywhere. I mean, the Bible, it's just, it just gives me chills sometimes thinking about mm-hmm. how neat God is with just his, his detail orientation mm-hmm. with how well it just affects everything. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll, we'll end on this question, uh, here. Uh, <laughs> what are three qualities that you want your kids to learn from your husband? I, I want to hear the answer from each of you. Oh, <laughs> we could go on for a long time. Three was actually a little hard for me, but um, do you want to start? Em? I can start whatever. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So with my husband, I feel like humility um, is a huge one. Just he can bring anyone into any situation. He wants to teach them what he knows, but he's also incredibly teachable. And I love that because again, I mentioned earlier that I feel very valued in our relationship. And so he values my opinion, um, my different ways of doing things. I mean, he can crawl like a dinosaur with a two-year-old and roar around or talk to a 85 year old grandmother about the good old days. It's just, he's very humble about who he's around and what he's doing and, um, looking out for the needs of others. He's incredibly hardworking and sacrificial. I think it's pretty amazing to see how he works incredibly hard for us all day to provide a very comfortable life, but then comes home and changes diapers without complaint. And he is involved in every area of our lives as much as he can be. And there isn't, this kind of goes back to humility, but there's no job beneath him and he does it Mm -hmm. well. Um, And I want my kids to definitely carry that into their own lives. And then I think the last thing would be self-controlled or sober-minded. I am a more outgoing, more extroverted type person, loud person. He is a little more quiet. Um, He... I'm just amazed by his calmness and steadiness. Um, and it doesn't mean he doesn't have opinions or preferences, but he has like this supernatural ability to remain calm when I'm going nuts. And I love that. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest reasons I know that I married him um, to kind of be my anchor in the storm type of thing. But he has an incredible faith that God provides 
will provide all that we need that at times, you know, it can be frustrating to myself. Um, but it's also incredibly admirable. So I love that. And it flows into discipline and, and again, correcting me. I think that because everything he does doesn't seem very self-serving, you know, that like what he's saying, even when he's disciplining our kids or he is telling me, Hey, maybe you shouldn't have said that Laura or whatever. Um, you know, that it's for your good Mm. and you know, that it's not out of something that he's going to get out of it. And so he's just very admirable, I think in some of those ways. Mm. I need to make sure Mike tunes into this. Yeah. I know. Babe, listen to the last 10 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. It's uh, cool to hear you speak so well of your husband. Really cool. Yeah. Mine are going to sound really similar to that, I think. But yeah, I think hardworking is a huge one that I hope my kids get from my husband. And just like Laura said, I think it's it's not just the work that he does in the office environment, which he's absolutely wonderful at. But when he comes home, he gets into the huge pile of dishes with me and he, you know, is totally ready to change diapers, um, especially on the nights and weekends. Cause he knows I change a million during the day. And, um, they're just like Laura said, there's no job that I feel like is, is beneath him or that he's not ready to just get his hands dirty with, um, for our family. And so I know like our sons are watching that and I'm so excited that they see that and hope that they take that on as they get older. Um, and then I think just to roll into that is how like, well, he loves me. And I think the sacrifices that he makes, um, in order to show me like respect in front of the kids, like, I feel like he doesn't undermine me. Um, he is very quick to, we have all boys right now. That's why I keep saying sons, but he, he's very quick to, you need to go apologize to your mom or you're not going to talk to her that way or whatever those things are. He just really esteems me highly. And I know that, um, Lord willing that will carry over into marriages (laughs) in the next generation. I really hope. Um, and finally, I think, um, my husband is, uh, opposite of me a little bit in this, but he's very hospitable. Biddable and very like eager to help people with whatever he can and extend an invitation or say, yeah, you can just have that or you can borrow that or whatever. Um, and I am just like a little bit more uncomfortable with that type of serving. Um, so I love that, that my kids get to see that from him because I'm just like a little bit more stingy with that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but like Laura said, I think that that's, that's one of the, the beautiful things about marriage and how we're different from each other because they get to see different things from different parents. Yeah, totally. I think that's the thing that stuck out to me in both of you guys' answers that they're, that they're really opposites, that they're things that the, the qualities yeah. of your spouse that are opposite of the qualities that you have and how God's mm-hmm. using them to um, shape both of you guys. And obviously mm-hmm. we want to hear, I wanted to just have you have a chance to brag on your husbands, but even hearing <laughs> that as a man, men are inspired by other men who are stepping up. Mm-hmm. And even hearing that, I'm thinking, crap, all right, I need to do this, this and this. <laughs> uh, and I hope that other listeners, other guys that are listening to that think like that's these are the qualities that our wives are wanting us to live out. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I hope mm-hmm. that men, as you hear that, you're inspired uh, to step up and to continue to serve your wives in that way. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys for sharing that. Any last words, well, any I- last things you'd want to say to these dads <laughs> that are uh, trying to step up and be the men that God has shaped them to be? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's just wonderful. Like, and you know, if you're stepping out, you're wanting to trust in, in Jesus and lead your family well, like, isn't that where it starts? If that makes sense. Um, I know that, uh, one time at a wedding, um, I heard the pastor say, 
your joy is wrapped up in your wife's joy and your one flesh. And so if you're wanting to, you know, nourish her well and love her well, as you're going to love yourself, you're going to be just pouring into her and laying down your life. It's not, it's not like if I sacrifice, I'm doing something in competition with my joy. So, um, yeah, that's just, I don't know. Wonderful. Sweet. Well, thank you guys so much. Again, listeners, whoever, guy or girl, uh, go listen to the Rhythm and Mother <laughs> podcast. They're just killing it over there. It's tons of gospel truth. But thank you guys for, I know you got napping babies. So thank you for taking the time out to be a guest. Thanks for having us. Thank you.